Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're getting closer to the final day of 2022 and the final basketball game that the Duke Blue Devils will play in the calendar year 2022. Time for Duke to bounce back. We're going to discuss all of that coming up on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Locked On Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. It's so great to have you here with us on this Friday, December 30th, 2022, as we are so close to the final day of the year 2022 and the final Duke men's basketball game here in the calendar year as Duke returns to action tomorrow when they take on Florida State. Looking forward to talking about that matchup and more with our good pal Kevin Connolly from Ball Durham on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. Our big sponsor today for the program, it's Bet Online. Our episode is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online today. They've got you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Lockdown Blue Devils is a daily podcast devoted to everything going on in the life of Duke athletics. Your support means the absolute best to us. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you get them. Also, watch the show daily. On YouTube, again, we always appreciate your support here for Lockdown Blue Devils. Without further ado, I'll bring in my good pal, Kevin Connolly, who's back with us once again. And Kevin, it's been another long layoff since we've had Duke basketball here in our lives, but exciting that this weekend uh, they'll be back in action and back at home for their third ACC game of the year against Florida State. Yeah, really, after this, it's like no more layoffs. It's basketball yeah. throughout. They're just going to play basically now until whenever they get eliminated come March. So um, I guess it, it's weird because it feels like the season just started, yet we're basically in January already, uh, but still a lot of ball left to be played, so that's always fun. Yeah, excited to see what this team can do following the break, right? I, I think a lot of people immediately want to go to the health of the point guard, the junior captain, and Jeremy Roach, uh, and, and being able to play for the Blue Devils, not as efficiently as he was, uh, but then, of course, Duke also – was without Derek Lively and Derek Whitehead, who were out with a bit of an illness. So the game prior, you had the foot injury for Jeremy Roach, trying to make sure he was back to 100%. And then you've got a couple of guys that were sick and missed the Wake Forest game. Some folks were sick and still played through it. I mean, I think everybody's just kind of hoping that the Stoop team can finally get to full strength, which we haven't really seen this season. Yeah, and that's what I said with you a couple weeks back. I thought this two-week span when they played a game or two, whatever it is, it was the most important of the season because it was that time, it was that valuable practice time to get everyone back up to speed, to get everybody clicking on the same page, and then the locker room gets hit with some type of flu, cold, illness, whatever. Um, so is it ideal? No. But you're you're hoping um, that everyone can get back on the same page, everyone can get back out there, and you still have this week or so with the Florida State game and then game a couple days later. Um, to get on that same page and try to get everybody clicking um, 
once January rolls around and the meat and potatoes of this season um, finally fires around. Yeah, no, I'm excited to see these guys back at full strength. The fact that we haven't got to see it yet, um, it, is it fun? Uh, it's You come and play and watch Duke basketball every single year. We're always so thrilled about the freshmen that we know are likely only to be there for one season. And just knowing that we haven't quite seen the full potential, the full basketball abilities of somebody like Derek Whitehead and uh, Derek Lively II, those are the two guys in particular that once this new year comes, once Duke really gets buzzing into ACC play, and they've got two games a week, like we said, no more layoffs. I'm really hoping those two guys in particular can remind folks why they were the top two recruits in the entire country. Yeah, I mean, I was super high on Derek Whitehead coming in, even going back to when we talked about the incoming class uh, yeah. back in the summer months. I, I was Derek Whitehead, Derek Whitehead, Derek Whitehead, and then I didn't envision him breaking his foot. Um, so obviously that's really, and that's a major setback. That's not like a Derek Lively with, with a pulled calf or whatever, and you've seen him maybe um, show those flashes a little bit more than Derek Whitehead because he was in the practices more than, than Derek. Um, I think in terms of the freshman development, I mean, you've seen Kyle Filipowski star basically every game except that last game against Wake Forest. Could he have been battling illness? Probably, I guess, we'll yeah. never know for sure. Um, a player like Mark Mitchell, we've seen it in flashes. We just need to see it more consistently. Um, and then you look at that other the other freshmen who really don't play as much. I mean, Tyrese Proctor is, is a starter. But you look at the other freshmen, um, like Christian Reeve, Jaden Shute, they're, they're kind of more – further reserve players but your core group of freshmen you just want them on the floor together and you want them going non-stop um for large periods of time in a season yeah big big bonus for duke in the backcourt with jalen blake's performance against wake forest uh his last time out was 17 points but it's the last guy you named there tyrese proctor another big time player for duke who uh, the big question is how could duke get these two guards in roach and proctor to successfully play well together. They've definitely had stretches this season where they've been able to coexist, but it really feels like at times Duke has been better when Proctor has the ball in yeah. his hands, and you're not counting on Jeremy Roach to be as much of the facilitator and allowing him to attack the basket and kind of look for his shots. Well, you, you know it's interesting you say that because I forget the name of the actual tournament. I think it was like the – I think it might have been a FIBA U something – that Tyrese Proctor was playing in with yeah. Australia. And and when Tyrese Proctor had committed to Duke for, I guess, what's that, 2023, and then went reclassed to 2022, I, I feel like him playing in, in that tournament with Team Australia was almost like the worst thing for him. Now, let me explain, because, like, yeah. no one really knew what he was going to bring. No one really – everyone was waiting to see what Tyrese Proctor was going to bring. And then he had an outstanding tournament as like the youngest guy on the team playing with the senior national team for Australia. And he was shooting and he was assisting and he was doing everything running the offense. And now he gets to Duke and everyone's like, okay, like, well, now we have Jeremy Roach. And then everyone's trying to see like, all right, the two point guard set, but like the two point guard set worked great with Tyus Jones and Quinn cook. But like there was a different head coach pulling the strings back then. who was a little more experienced. So uh, again, like I think for Tyrese Proctor, this is also really valuable because don't forget, like, He's the furthest away from home. Like, yeah. I don't know if he has the chance to go back home for the holidays like everybody else did because <clears throat> he's from Australia. So so it's tough for him, maybe a little bit of homesickness. Uh, but, I, again, I, I don't know the ins and, ins and outs of all those situations of where everybody went for the holidays. But um, you want him I, – I would love him to have the ball in his hands more because Jeremy Roche, he's proven he can shoot the ball this year. So he wouldn't be that bad, you think, playing the two guard. 
talking about the Stukeman's basketball season so far. The Blue Devils are back in action coming up tomorrow uh, when they take on Florida State. I'm joined right now by my good pal Kevin Connolly from Ball Durham. We'll talk a little bit more about Duke Hoops after our first time out here on today's program. Lockdown Blue Devils is brought to you by our friends at the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. They'd like to pass along this message to you. It can't ha- it can happen so easily. You're out with your friends or coworkers. You're putting back a few drinks. A few more becomes a few too many. It's time to go, and for a moment, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you're a good driver. You live nearby. You can make it home okay. What are the odds you'll get pulled over? And even so, what's the worst that can happen? You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. Drive sober or get pulled over. This is brought to you by the National Highway Traffic and Safety Administration. Back here on Lockdown Blue Devils, J.J. Jackson with my buddy Kevin Connolly, the site expert for Ball Durham. Three-point shooting has also been something in particular that the Stuke basketball team will need to improve as they continue to move forward throughout the season. Tyrese Proctor, one of those shooters who you would like to see his percentage go up, and I've actually got a lot of faith in him doing that simply because you look at what he's been able to do at the free throw line this season, Kevin. He's shooting over 90% from there, just a tad below 30% from the three-point line. But the fact that he's got such a pure stroke, good-looking jump shot, really sees the ball well at the free throw line, I think he is going to be able to kind of settle in and find that three-point shot here in 2023. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I think playing him on the ball would be much more valuable for him because – if you're having him as a shooting guard, you want him to shoot, and he's yeah. not shooting it particularly well. So um, I think that could be uh, um, a fix maybe. Maybe he's just more comfortable with the ball on his hands more often, and then the shot falls after that. Um, but I, I agree with you. And, and with this three-point shooting, it's been feast or famine. It's been either an outstanding game or they couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat. Yeah. <laughs> Got to find a way to clean that or correct that, I would say. Like, and Proctor being one of those guys that you want to see improve. I don't think many of us saw Mark Mitchell being the finest three-point shooter yeah. so far at this point in the season. But credit to him for knocking down those shots. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, we've seen it in flashes. It, it's been a game here, a game there. A eight-minute spurt here, a six-minute spurt there. It's you want to see a complete game from Mark Mitchell for a week, for two weeks, for two and a half weeks, and just have a snowball those positive games, those positive momentum, that positive feeling into the next game, into the next week, into the next month for him. When you look at the Stuke basketball team and we talk about what to come in 2023, what strengths? We, we've kind of been a little not uh, you know, as positive to open up uh, the conversation today, but Kevin, what strengths really stand out to you so far? Well, last game with, with standing against Wake Forest has been the defense. I think the defense has been this team's calling card for what? what's that? 13 games with the 14th game not included with that game against Wake Forest because they were just abysmal defensively against the Demon Deacons. And uh, maybe that you're just looking ahead to getting home for the holidays and you just want this game to be over with. And obviously, I think around the country, we've seen a lot of things, crazy things happen Christmas week um, with Iowa losing to, I think it was Eastern Illinois or something as a 32-point favorite, whatever. So um, things happen, crazy stuff happens on Christmas week. But I think defense – going forward is going to be how this team wins a lot of its games, even if they do get that step up in offensive production and offensive continuity. 
And it's been so impressive that they've played so well on the defensive end of the floor because typically when you've got so many new players, we see it year in and year out with these young freshman teams that Duke has had over the last decade. Sometimes your defensive communication is one of the last things that comes along, and yet Duke is really taking care of business on the defensive end of the floor. Up until the Wake Forest game, Duke had been holding all of their opponents below their scoring averages. Yeah, typically when you have a team that's full of freshmen, it's all right, the offense is there because they're so used to doing that in high school and at AAU level is just scoring the basketball, scoring the basketball on isolation sets, and and they're so talented and so good at it. But in those high school games, typically because they're these massive athletes, they don't have to learn any defensive sets because either they can easily steal the ball or easily block a shot from a, a player that's not as talented from them and then just run a break and have this highlight reel dunk that you see on social media and on YouTube and all this stuff. But it's been so impressive how John Shire and his coaching staff have got this team to buy in defensively. And it was really from game one that they bought in defensively and they were like, all right, we're going to be this elite defensive unit. And obviously we've seen that so far throughout the year up until that Wake Forest game. But I'll throw that game out the window just because, like I said, it was Christmas week. They were battling illness. They didn't have everyone available. Um, was it uh, uh, was it encouraging? No not in any any shape or form, but I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, throw the game out the window, and, and let's see what you have starting against Florida State, a team that you should really handle. And then I think a big test comes um, the game following on the road against NC State because we all know that place has really been a house of horrors in the past couple of years for Duke. Yeah, they certainly get excited to play the Duke Blue Devils anytime they come to town. And that's the other big thing. Like, that's just the second true road game that yeah. Duke will have played. Like, that was also – when we look at everything that kind of went wrong for Duke against Wake Forest, that was the first time you get those freshmen in a road atmosphere setting, not to mention the fact that it was winter break for Wake Forest. So was it truly as ramped up as it could have been? I personally don't believe so. Like I think certainly this squad is going to see much more hostile and intense environments in the season to come. So getting the Stoop team to play well away from Cameron Indoor is going to be something for us to wait and see in 2023. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you can say the same about NC State because they'll also be on break because it's the first week of January. But yeah, I, I, I feel like it was the might have been the Marvin Bagley team that went there in early January and that place was jumping and rocking. And I would think the same thing is going to happen um, next week in Raleigh. Can't wait to see what that game looks like. And also this Florida State game coming up this weekend. What about the rebounding effort for the Duke squad so far this season, Kevin? Well, rebounding wise, I don't think it's been that bad. I think you want to see more rebounding from Derek Lively, just being seven foot one. Um, but I think Ryan Young has proven to be a good rebounder, even though he's not as big in stature. It's just his fundamentals are, are outstanding in terms of boxing people out and creating that space underneath. Um, Kyle Filipowski, he plays a lot of a perimeter game. I think you'd want to see that his rebounding tick up a little bit more. But I mean, what he has like eight double doubles, so you, you really can't can't complain. I think the biggest thing, though, is you want to see Derek Lively a little bit more be tougher down low. We talked about how we want to see him post people up offensively. I think defensively, um, it's still continuing to adjust adjust those shots at the rim, being that rim protector, and also limiting team one shot down the floor. But this has been one of the best rebounding teams, especially offensive rebounding teams in the country. So um, I I think no, no complaints there. Kevin Connolly is the site expert for Ball Durham. He's joining us here today on Lockdown Blue Devils. Tell me again about BallDurham.com, Kevin. What can people find there? Well, we got everything. Duke Athletic, anything Duke Athletics you want, we got. You could uh, follow us, Ball at Ball underscore Durham on Twitter. And then you could read us every morning, every day, every night 
at balldurham.com. So anything Duke you want, we got. Tell me about uh, some of these Duke guys in the NBA this season, Kevin. I, I love this time of year to really be caught up on what's going on at the next level. Not as many Duke games to watch. You and I are basketball junkies. We love uh, cheering on the former Duke guys at the NBA level. Let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, Jason Tatum's the MVP. <laughs> I mean, that man That man is special. If, if, if you're lying around one night and the Boston Celtics are on, put him on, man, because this guy can put on a show as – his performance on Christmas against Giannis and the Bucks, um, outstanding. Um, I think right now he's got a. Sorry about that. I don't know if you caught that through my headphones. Uh, I'm getting ready to do a basketball, a couple of basketball games here, and they're getting the music set up. Oh, and I guess, I guess, uh, I guess one of the chords uh, came unplugged. But um, Jason Tatum, I think, is the front runner for MVP. Um, Paulo Bancaro, I, I think it'll be a tight race. It, it is just early January. But uh, I think he, he's a front runner for Rookie of the Year. He's been outstanding in what he's been able to do with an Orlando Magic team that's obviously rebuilding. Um, but you look at other guys like Grayson Allen, outstanding role player. Tyus Jones is probably the best backup point guard in the NBA. R.J. Barrett's coming into his own with the Knicks, who are resurgent a little bit. I know they had a they they had a good strong six game run, and now they're kind of falling back. But R.J. Barrett, he's been outstanding. Um, really, I, I think the big um, stigma around Duke basketball the past couple of years was. Okay, but where's the NBA talent? They're outstanding college players, but where's the NBA success? And now you're seeing the NBA success, and it's really been um, phenomenal. And Jason Tatum's leading the charge. He, he certainly is. He's been absolutely outstanding. The other thing I want to touch on, Kevin, we've had a healthy Zion so far this year, and he's reminded people how good at basketball yeah. he is. Uh, that's the one player I left out. Zion, I mean, my goodness, when this guy is healthy, he does things that humans can't possibly do at at his size, at his size and his build. I mean, he is phenomenal to watch, and it's really the same things that we saw in that one year in Durham. I mean, it's he steps on the basketball floor, and your jaw just drops at the stuff he can do. And nobody, and and there's people like that are taller than him, like still his weight and his size, but taller than him, and they still can't stop him. He he is he is something special. That's why I'm so happy he's healthy, right? Because yeah. with that much talent, you never really want to see injuries. Uh, become that big of a factor, really feels like he's taking good care of his body. He's so explosive. And the Pelicans are a team there in the Western Conference with Brandon Ingram, another Duke Blue Devil, who's been sidelined by injuries right now. But that's a team that once they get it all figured out and rolling together, I certainly wouldn't want to see them in a seven-game series. Yeah, I mean, not to turn this into a Pelicans pod, but like yeah. you, saw, you, you saw it last year. Like you saw it like, when they pushed Phoenix to, I think, six games, and they, they started off awful and found their way into the, the play-in and then the playoffs, and that was all without Zion. Now you add a couple more pieces around them. You add this massive, outstanding basketball player in Zion Williamson, and like people aren't really talking about it because I still, still think people think the Golden State Warriors, the Phoenix Suns, and teams like that, the Los Angeles Clippers will make a run to the finals. But like New Orleans Pelicans are right there. Like no, They're an under-the-radar yeah. team that not a lot of – national people uh, uh, that you see on ESPN or, or NBA TV are talking about, but like they have a legit chance to win the Western conference if they stay healthy. So talking about some other Duke guys in the NBA here, as we're winding down today's episode of locked on blue devils, uh, as we well know, as you discuss, you're based out of the New York area, Kevin. So in your day-to-day -day life, you are exposed to way more Brooklyn Nets fans to many others. And Brooklyn is a team that's got a couple of former Duke blue devils and Kyrie Irving and Seth Curry, they are finally really starting to figure some things out. And over the last month or so, Brooklyn is one of the hottest teams yeah. in the entire league, and Kyrie Irving's playing good basketball. 
Well, well, it was not to get too much into the details, but like with this Kyrie Irving situation with the Brooklyn Nets, it was like, all right, like, can someone please just put an end to it? Because that's what everyone was talking about. And should he play? Shouldn't he play? Is he getting suspended? Yada, yada, yada. But since he's come back, like it, it's kind of been a non-story. He's been back on the floor. He he did the requisites of his apology and what the Brooklyn Nets and the NBA said he needed to do to get back out on the court. And like, again, you're not going to find five more players more talented than Kyrie Irving than when you yeah. put a basketball in his hands. I mean, what, like, people say it's an art. I mean, it is an art. Like, what he can do with a basketball in his hands, it, there's not five other players percent, that can yeah. do that. Yeah, it, it, it's incredible. And, like, they're, like, they're just staying quiet, staying low, which is very strange around this part in New York for the Brooklyn Nets. It seems like always someone's always trying to create a story, and they're just balling. They're just, they're just simply going out there, hooping, when you got Kevin Durant, one of the best basketball players of all time, Kyrie Irving staying healthy. Ben Simmons has kind of like knocked off the rust. And Seth Curry, I know, has been in and out of the lineup with injury. But they have shooters around these players. And, again, no one's really talking about them because it feels like anyone only talks about the Brooklyn Nets when there's controversy surrounding them. But those guys are playing basketball, and I certainly want to, wouldn't want to play them right now. Let's give Seth Curry a little bit of love, Kevin, because that guy was absolutely one of our favorites his three years he played for Duke. Uh, Obviously a red shirt in his transfer year when Duke won the national championship back in 2010. But to have the brother that he does, Steph Curry being one of the all-time greats in the sport, that kind of pressure, it doesn't affect Seth Curry whatsoever. He's still out there shooting 45% from the three-point line. Just a damn good basketball player and really, really productive. He shoots the hell out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously he gets overshadowed by his brother. But, I mean, he, again, he, he's he's a player that, like, no one really gave him a chance. He kind of just kept taking lump after lump after lump. And he found his niche and found his way into the NBA. And he's latched on as an outstanding role player and shooter for, what, now four or five different teams in his career. I mean, out, just an outstanding – he's a professional basketball player. That's that's what you can say about him. You know what you're going to get every single night when, when he's on your team. Kevin, it's always so much fun chatting with you here. Uh, our final conversation in the year 2022. So, looking forward to talking to you next year in 2023 and beyond. Happy New Year to you, my friend. I appreciate you stopping by. Same to you. Happy New Year and all those uh, watching and listening. That's our buddy Kevin Connolly, the site expert from Ball Durham, joining us here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for your support here of Locked On Blue Devils. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you get them, and we'll be sure to continue to bring you incredible content in the year 2023. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you soon. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.